This is the Lions Unchained podcast, where the shackles of your mind are broken. It's not for the faint-hearted, but the chosen few who've embraced the call to leadership, dare to venture where others will not, and believe in God's supernatural power. Join Carl Joseph now for a life-changing word. Get ready to be unleashed into your destiny. Friend, we will continue today with our study of the book of Daniel. Now, what's fascinating about this book is that, as I've mentioned previously in Daniel chapters 2 and 7, God revealed to the prophet Daniel in a series of visions and dreams the specific world empires that would arise hundreds of years prior to their inception. Today we'll continue our study with Daniel chapter 8 specifically. Now because of the accuracy of Daniel's vision coming to pass, it has caused several scholars, particularly liberal scholars, to claim the book of Daniel is a complete forgery, written in about the 2nd century AD, because they believed anyone accurately predicting future world empires is simply impossible. However, friend, God sealed up a time capsule to prove the book of Daniel to be accurate by allowing the Qumran, or Dead Sea Scrolls, to be found in 1946, in which a complete copy of the book of Daniel was found containing the very predictions that exactly match the writings of Daniel found in our King James Bible. This threw a wrench in the works, and liberal scholars had no defense against this monumental discovery of historical parchments, which proved once and for all the prophecies of Daniel in the 6th century BC not only came to pass exactly as he predicted, but his sequence of empires was historically accurate also. So let us now read excerpts from Daniel chapter 8, starting with verse 1. In the third year of the reign of King Belshazzar, a vision appeared unto me, even unto me, Daniel, after that which appeared unto me at the first. Verse 3. Then I lifted up my eyes and saw, and behold, there stood before the river a ram, which had two horns, and the two horns were high, but one was higher than the other, and the higher came up last. I saw the ram pushing westward and northward and southward, so that no beasts might stand before him. Neither was there any that could deliver out of his hand, but he did according to his will and became great. Now, friend, the focus of this chapter is really the second and third kingdoms of Daniel's image in chapter 2. In other words, the shoulders of silver and the thighs of brass. Do you remember that? There isn't much information given in Daniel chapter 2 concerning these two kingdoms, but they're expounded upon in this chapter 8. Later in this vision, in verse 20, Daniel reveals the ram to represent the kings of Media and Persia. It has two horns, representing the empires of the Medes and the Persians separately, and the longer horn is symbolic of Persia, which is the greater power, and would later take full control of this coalition. Now it says this ram pushed westward, northward, and southward, which is exactly what Persia did in expanding its kingdom after conquering Babylon in 539 BC. Until Alexander the Grecian conqueror arrived 200 years later, Persia was the dominant world power. 
verse 5. And as I was considering, behold, a he-goat came from the west on the face of the whole earth, and touched not the ground. And the goat had a notable horn between its eyes, and he came to the ram that had two horns, which I had seen standing before the river, and ran unto him in the fury of his power. And I saw him close unto the ram, and he was moved with choler, and cola means irritation or anger, and smote the ram, and broke his two horns, and there was no power in the ram to stand before him, but he cast him to the ground, and stamped on him, and there was none that could deliver the ram out of his hand. Therefore the he-goat waxed very great, and when he was strong the great horn was broken, and for it came up four notable ones toward the four winds of heaven. Now there are several takeaways here that are pertinent to our study, and they mirror what I've said in previous broadcasts. Daniel, by his own admission, states that the he-goat is the kingdom of Greece in verse 21. Now what's interesting is that at the time, Greece was a small, insignificant country and was not yet unified. In fact, the struggle to unify Greece would continue throughout the centuries. Alexander was from the province of Macedonia, yet this goat only had one horn not two, as a normal goat would. This horn no doubt describes Alexander the Great, who, as I said, conquered the expanse from Egypt to India in his rapid marches, as distinguished by the leopard of Daniel 7. Yet here, Greece is described as a goat flying through the air, which describes Alexander's rapid conquests. This is why Greece is described as a swift leopard in Daniel 7 as well. This large horn was broken, just as Alexander was broken at the early age of 33, describing a man who conquered the known world at the time, but failed to conquer himself. Now, as I said before, following Alexander's death, his vast kingdom was split between his four generals. But little did many know that from out of one province of these four generals would come a type of the Antichrist in the years following. Verse 9 describes this evil man. And out of one of them came forth a little horn, which waxed exceeding great toward the south, and toward the east, and toward the pleasant land. And it waxed great even to the host of heaven, and it cast down some of the host, and of the stars to the ground, and stamped upon them. Now this span of history is not well known by most Christians because this little horn is not documented in the Bible. His reign occurred between the Old and New Testaments during a time when the Jewish people were persecuted greatly. Don't forget the book of Malachi was written in 445 BC. So scripture was silent concerning world events for almost five centuries between the Old and New Testaments. As we know, the prophecies held within the Old Testament and book of Revelation especially are Judeo-centric and focus upon the persecution and eventual liberation of the Jewish people when Christ returns at his second coming, when he destroys all of his enemies. Now the little horn of verse 9 here is not the same little horn mentioned in Daniel 7. That horn is still to come, but this little horn is a type of that which is to come, and his announcement on the world stage has already occurred. His name was Antiochus Epiphanes, and he was a Seleucid king of the Hellenistic Syrian kingdom, who reigned from 175 to 164 BC. He's best known as a ruler for the encouragement of Greek and even Roman culture, but his main claim to fame was the suppression of the Jews brought on by the War of Maccabees. 
He had great power over the Holy Land especially, and Syria, and for a brief time Egypt, until he withdrew because of Roman pressure. The trouble was, Antiochus thought of himself as a god. In Babylon, they built a temple of Jupiter in his honor. Then, even before he had begun his reign, Antiochus had contributed enormously to the building of the Temple of Zeus in Athens. Epiphanes then ransacked the temple in Jerusalem and built an altar to Zeus and sacrifices were made at the foot of this idol in the image of this king. This is the first instance of the abomination of desolation and a foreshadowing of what the Antichrist will one day implement in the third temple that is yet to be built in Jerusalem. Verse 10 and it waxed great, even to the host of heaven, and it cast down some of the host and of the stars to the ground and stamped upon them. Yea, he magnified himself even to the prince of the host, and by him the daily sacrifice was taken away, and the place of his sanctuary was cast down, and a host was given him against the daily sacrifice by reason of transgression, and it cast down the truth to the ground, and it practiced and prospered. Without doubt, these two verses of scripture were fulfilled when Antiochus entered the Jewish temple, magnified himself, did away with the daily sacrifices, and sought the worship of himself as God. Yet we know, friend, there will be a world ruler in the tribulation period to come who will set himself up as a God and desire worship in the same form and fashion. Antiochus, no doubt, had all the characteristics of fulfilling these two verses accurately, but he was also a foreshadowing of a much more sinister future despot, namely the son of perdition, or the Antichrist. The scripture states, he disregarded the starry host and set himself up as the prince of the host. Antiochus desecrated the Jewish temple and turned it into a pagan temple. Friend, although this man's name was Antiochus, he took the name Epiphanes. It was not granted to him at birth. By taking the name Epiphanes, he was declaring himself as a god, because Epiphanes means glorious one, and the scripture makes it clear that God will not share his glory with anyone, and those who declare themselves as gods will see a bitter end. The placing of an image to Zeus in the holy temple enraged the Jewish people and aroused the Jews to commence a series of guerrilla wars led by Judas Maccabee against the generals Antiochus had put in place within the region. If you desire to hear more about this, you can study it for yourself in the first book of Maccabees. Now, throughout the 2nd century BC, the city-state of Jerusalem lay between the two great powers of Egypt and Syria, which led to much frustration and bloodshed for the Jewish people. Antiochus Epiphanes killed thousands of Jews in an attempt to stamp out the Jewish religion as many attempted to before him and following him, but it was all in vain. These are God's people, friend, and they will never be stamped out. Antiochus eventually died of an illness at 51 years old in present-day Iran in 164 BC, and his desire for world power died with him, as do so many others who oppose God and his people. In verse 15, Daniel describes someone who stood beside him, and this is none other than the angel Gabriel himself. A man's voice then told the angel Gabriel to give Daniel the interpretation of the dream. 
Gabriel then addresses Daniel as the son of man, and this is what Gabriel says to him in verses 19 through 21. Behold, I will make you know what shall be in the last end of the indignation, for at the time appointed the end shall be. The ram which you saw, having two horns, are the kings of Media and Persia, and the rough goat is the king of Greece, and the great horn that is between his eyes is the first king. Now that being broken, whereas four stood up for it, four kingdoms shall stand up out of the nation, but not in his power. And here, friend, Gabriel describes the coming Antichrist when he says, And in the latter time of their kingdom, when the transgressors are come to the full, a king of fierce countenance and understanding dark sentences shall stand up, and his power shall be mighty, but not by his own power. And he shall destroy wonderfully, and shall prosper and practice, and shall destroy the mighty and the holy people. And through his policy also he shall cause craft to prosper in his hand, and he shall magnify himself in his heart, and by peace shall destroy many. He shall also stand up against the prince of princes, but he shall be broken without hand. The fact that the Antichrist rules by a power not of his own indicates that he'll be Satan incarnate and have supernatural satanic wisdom for the power ascribed to him. He will even have the audacity to rise against the Prince of Princes, namely Jesus Christ. But we know the end of the book, friend. We know that God will soundly defeat the Antichrist and all satanic forces. Finally, it should be noted that Daniel was quite traumatized by the visions he witnessed. At the close of the chapter, he writes in verse 27, And I, Daniel, fainted and was sick for certain days after I rose up and did the king's business, and I was astonished at the vision, but none understood it friend. Daniel chapter 8 is fascinating along with all other chapters in Daniel. It reveals Antiochus Epiphanes who is a type of the Antichrist. A typology of who is to come because one day the Antichrist will commit the abomination of desolation spoken of by Christ himself desiring the worship of himself as a god and finally the Jews will wake up from their deception and begin to acknowledge Jesus Christ as their Messiah. You've been listening to Carl Joseph and the Lions Unchained podcast. Carl is a minister who has witnessed God's miraculous power to save, heal, and deliver. Carl covers topics such as geopolitics, current affairs, cults, societal trends, and end-time events, all through a biblical lens. Every Monday, new podcasts are uploaded, so stay tuned for the next opportunity to roar into victory. Check out carljosephministries.com for exciting articles, teachings, and discussion points. See you next week, and don't forget to hit the subscribe button.